0: from Las Vegas. You're listening to Verve Church for people who don't like church. Thanks for tuning in. My wife and I moved to Las Vegas about two and a half years ago. You see, we both grew up in Phoenix, so moving in the middle of summer here in Vegas really wasn't quite the heat shock for either of us. But anyways, uh, we've lived in the same apartment since we moved here. Uh, and our little apartment cove has, has four apartments in it, right? So there's our apartment, um, you've got the one across, kind of the, the walkway from us, you've got the one right above us, and the one across and above. Now, during our two years of this apartment complex, um, there has been at least two other tenants in each of the apartments in our little square, right? So people have been in and out quite a bit. Uh, and boy, has there been some interesting characters, So we had the uh, hippie stoner chick who let her cat out and got onto everyone's porches and made a mess everywhere, right? We had the family upstairs that got evicted because the husband was in a gang and had several illegal weapons in the house. And then we had the snake people, right? We didn't know that the people who lived above us when we moved into our apartment were snake people, but boy, did we find out. One morning my wife uh, was up and doing a little bit of laundry and she opened up the back door to find this. Yeah, five month old daughter and a dog in the house and this is what we wake up to. And remember, we didn't know uh, any of our neighbors had snakes at this point, right? Let's just say some threats of moving out happened from from my wife that morning. What do you do in that situation? Let's just say it was a little bit hard to love our neighbors that day. Today, we're starting a new series, and it's called Love Where You Live. Our goal is to follow Jesus' example in loving everyone always. And it starts with where we live. One time in Jesus' life, he was asked what the greatest commandment was. Someone said, hey, Jesus, of everything that God wants us to do, what is the most important one that we should focus on? We see this uh, and his answer in the the book of, of Mark, chapter 12, and it says this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is, there is no greater commandment than these. In this encounter, Jesus gave two commandments. Love God and love people. That is what is most important. That is what life is all about. So much so it's part of our DNA here at Verve. Our mission is to is literally to love God, love people, and turn the world upside down. We try uh, to and live out Jesus' greatest commandment with everything that we do here. But specifically, in that last verse of the passage, Jesus says to love your neighbor. So, who is your neighbor? Well, it certainly is the person who lives next door to you. That is your neighbor, right? Jesus is telling us that the most important thing to God is that we love that person well. That we love those people well. We need to love the people who are physically our neighbors. So quick question for you. Do you even know the name of your neighbors? Do you even know the name of your neighbor? If we didn't exercise and we drew a little map of the 10 houses or the 10 apartments that are closest to you, how many of those people could you name? How many? Well, here's an interesting thought. How can you love those people if you don't know their names? How can you love someone you don't even know? So I've got some interesting statistics about people and their neighbors, okay? According to the Pew Research Center, uh, 57% of Americans say they know only some or none of their neighbors. And what's interesting is that for people from 30 to 49 years old, it grows to 72% and then it jumps again to 78% from 18 to 29 year olds. It's crazy that we don't even know our neighbors. We don't know. We don't know who they are. We don't know what they do. We don't know what they like. We, We know them based on their bumper stickers and the things that are in their trash can, and that's about it. Here's what's interesting about that survey. Here's some things um, that were discovered based on the people who actually knew their neighbors, right? There were fewer lives lost in neighborhoods that were well-connected. There were less natural disasters and less mass shootings in neighborhoods where people actually knew each other. It was reported that older adults who knew their neighbors admitted a far higher sense of psychological well-being. In neighborhoods where people knew each other, there were, a lot, there were a lot lower of crime rate and gun violence, and people who knew their neighbors generally uh, were cheerier, healthier, and spent more time outside. Don't all of those things sound good? Don't we all want that for ourselves and for the places that we live? We want to be safer, happier, and more close-knit than we are right now. We all want that. So the first step to loving your neighbor is to get to know your neighbor. Get out of the house and get to know the people who live around you. I'm wondering, how could you do that? Like if you had to come up with a strategy today to get to know your neighbors, what might you come up with? How can you get to know your neighbors? God wants you to love them. And it has to start with knowing them. Okay, so follow-up question. After you get to know, to know your neighbors, how could you start to actually love them? How could you start to love them? We're going to dive deeper into this next week, but I want to get the ball rolling. How could you start to love your neighbor? Well, you can start by introducing yourself by learning their name, uh, learning who, who lives in their house. Introduce yourself to your neighbors. You could love your neighbor by making them cookies, right? If you're already making some, then just make a little bit extra and take it to them. Maybe loving your neighbor looks like you helping bring the trash cans back up to the house on trash day. Maybe it's helping with yard work if you see them working in their yard on Saturday morning. A great question to ask yourself is, what would you like for your neighbors to do for you? What would be something really cool that your neighbors could do for you? Those are the things that you could also be doing for your neighbors. If we start loving our neighbors, the results could be amazing. In fact, Jesus said people will come to know him through the love his followers live with. You loving your neighbor could be what helps them uh, come to know Jesus. You see, when we show love to our neighbors, we are actually showing our neighbors Jesus. Like, how cool is that? That we actually have the ability to be a part of what God is doing in the lives of our neighbors. It's so awesome. When I was in high school, my family came in contact um, with a homeless man named Happy. And through a series of events, Happy actually came to live with us for quite a while. He lived in a trailer in our backyard for several months. He ate dinner with us. He had Christmas with us. And eventually he began to come to church with us. My dad and I spent a lot of time with Happy. And we were constantly trying to show him different ways that Jesus loved him. What's amazing is that several months after Happy was living with us, I actually had the opportunity to to baptize Happy. Happy came to know Jesus because we decided to love a neighbor. When you think about where you live, if I asked you why you actually live there, you'd probably say it was because uh, it was available, because it was affordable, maybe you, you actually liked the area, but I believe that God placed you there for a reason. I believe that God put you where you live so that you could represent him to your neighbors, so that you could love your neighbors. God loves your neighbors, and he put you there so that you could love your neighbors like Jesus loves them. God wants you to love your neighbor, and I think we may need to expand our definition uh, of neighbor, just a little bit. I I I think it's just about, or I don't think it's just about where we live. I also think your neighbor is uh, the the people that God put next to you at work, the parents you set you sit next to at your kids' sporting events, the barista at the coffee shop that you go to where you pay seven dollars for a drink, the grocery store clerk where you shop at, the same people you see at the stoplight every morning on your way to work, those people are are also your neighbors. Who has God put next to you? Whoever that is, what if God intentionally and strategically put those people in your life so that you could love them for him? God wants you to love your neighbor and we need to expand our definition of neighbor. In fact, one time, Jesus really expanded the definition of our neighbor. We find this in Luke chapter 10. And it says this. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. When he put the man on his donkey, then he brought him to an inn and he took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. Now, here's what you may not know about this story Jews and Samaritans hated each other, they couldn't stand each other. Much like all of you Raider fans can't stand the Chiefs or their fans, Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. Now, they they have a long history of not getting along but it basically boils down to the to, to this idea that Jews believed that Samaritans were unclean because they had intermingled and intermarried with people from other cultures. Jews and Samaritans were enemies. So when Jesus tells this Jewish audience that the Samaritan is actually the hero of the story, that a Samaritan took a loving action towards someone who is Jewish, it would have been pretty shocking to hear. So again, modern day context, right? We all know a Raider fan isn't going to help a chief fan who's stranded on the side of the road in his chief's jersey with his chief's flags uh, flying on his car, right? And vice versa, obviously. Okay, no, I'm kidding, right? Jesus was saying that the person you least want to love is your neighbor. Not just the person who lives next next door, but the person that you're tempted to hate, to dismiss, or even to ignore. That's your neighbor. That's the person that you need to love. Why? Because God loves the person that you hate. God loves the person that you dislike. God loves the person you don't want to reach a helping hand to. It doesn't make any sense for you to say that you love God, but to hate the people that God loves. You need to love God your enemy. So how do you do that? How could you love the person you least want to love? I want you to seriously think about them. Think about that person that makes you mad. Think about that coworker that you don't get along with. Think about that other person at school that you can't stand to be around. Picture them. What could you do to show love to them? what could you do to show them that God loves them? What would make them feel the most loved by you? What would most help them to see God's love in you? That's the thing that you need to do. That's how you love your enemy. That's how you love who God loves. And you can do that because that's how God loves you. You see, what I didn't tell you about um, the story with Happy is that, is that Happy actually wasn't a very good guy. You see, Happy what was, what was, is what he was, what was called a coyote. Happy actually smuggled drug and arm dealers from Mexico across the U.S. border. Happy also struggled with alcohol, with anger, and was wanted in several counties in Arizona. Happy wasn't a very good guy. There were several times I had to deal with Happy drunk or high or or upset about some situation that he was in. Happy was really, really hard to love sometimes. He made bad decisions. He put my dad and I in difficult situations where we had to stick our neck out for him. But we knew that we needed to love Happy. I'll tell you right now, it's not easy to share a shower in your own home with someone who lived the way that Happy did. It's not easy to wake up early before school and take Happy to work because he can't drive himself. It's not easy to continue to love someone no matter what bad decisions that they make. But we knew that Happy needed to know the love of Jesus. And because we loved him, he did. He knew that Jesus loved him because he knew that some of Jesus' followers loved him. And that's why we're supposed to love our neighbors. Jesus told the expert in the law, go and do likewise. And that's what he would tell us to do. Go and do likewise. Let's go love where we live. Let's pray. Hey, God, thank you so much for your son. Thank you for the very clear examples that he gives us on how it is that we're supposed to love and who we're supposed to love. God, no matter who it is today that's on our heart that we need to love, whether it's a physical neighbor or not, help us love better. Help us love like you love us to everyone we come in contact with. Help us show that love to everyone. Help us to love our neighbor. We say these things in your name. Amen.